guys, welcome back to the Healthy Perspectives Podcast. We're your hosts, Greg and Scott from Patients and Purpose. Today, we're joined by three of our friends from the agency, John, Todd, and Phil, also part of the Emerging Digital Group. Yeah, so they just got back from South by Southwest, which is a digital festival in Austin, Texas. So uh, they're full of barbecue and some cool digital insights. So we talked to them about what the festival was, some of the key trends, and what they're excited about for the uh, future of healthcare. Here's our conversation. Enjoy. So welcome, guys. We're excited to hear about South by Southwest this year. Um, why don't you first introduce yourselves? Sure. Uh, Todd Weinstein, VP of Digital Strategy. Hey, everyone. This is John Dealey. I'm our uh, Director of Digital Experience. Uh, my name is Philip Yan. I'm the Technical Director. So, John, so audience, if you... Uh Remember, our, we did a South by last year, and we had uh, John Dealey on, so welcome back, John. So you've been before. You've been how many times now? Uh, more, more than a few, yeah. Mm-hmm. Seasoned veteran there. Yeah. So we have two, uh, two rookies, basically, who haven't gone before. So let's, let's talk a little bit about first experiences. So, Phil, how was your kind of – what were you expecting, and, and how did it kind of all play out? Yeah, um, no, it, it was good. I was expecting to, uh, to A, learn a lot, um, to, be, to be a little bit inspired. I wanted to see some famous people, so I – I uh, I didn't get much of that. I think John saw all the famous people, but um, you know I think it was above my expectations. It's a uh, it's a little bit overwhelming too, to be honest. It's a lot to take in. Right. Yeah. And how long is it again? It's a weekend. Uh, we were there for five nights, six days. Oh, so wow. specifically for the digital track or the Just interactive, for the interactive track. track. Yeah. So I think uh, after we left, it was the music portion of it. So. Um, so Todd, how was yeah. your uh, how was your first experience there? It was good. Um, so John provided us kind of with a uh, an intro before we got there of what to expect, and he said it's a little bit like drinking from the fire hose, and that was kind of the experience. There's a lot going on; you have to prioritize. But um, the combination of kind of thought leadership, tech, and just innovation was was very impressive. Mm-hmm. Now, did you guys go in with like a, a game plan? Like we're going to see these certain things, or you just kind of went in there and, and saw what you saw? Yeah, I think it's. Uh the way we approach it is really to kind of go in with uh, an open mind and just to experience South by as it happens. Cause I think, um, you know, there's only so much planning you could do just because there's, it's just a huge event it takes over the whole city. There's over 1200 panels. There's maybe 15 panels going concurrently. There's brand experiences all throughout. So um, I think the idea is to try to plan the best you can, but then really just, take it as it comes. And then, uh, you know, throughout, we were sort of communicating to make sure we we're sort of covering a, a broad range of topics. Mm-hmm. And you guys spread out? You guys all go to the same panels together? You spread out? No, actually, I, I, don't, think I, I don't think I went to a session or a panel with uh, John or Todd the entire time I was there. But I mean, that speaks to the volume of, of yeah. options, right? So, what, you know, at any given time, you're in a session, you know, there's a part of me that thought, oh, there, there might be a even better session than I'm missing out on. But, you know, the reality is that you can't get them all in. Were there any standouts? sessions that kind of hit you over the head or or just surprised you with uh, what you uncovered um yeah i think uh, I, well i mean i mean personally there was a, a couple that i attended that were um vr based um that that also had a um, uh, uh an aspect with children so i you know I have three daughters so th- those those sorts of things that kind of hit home personally so i think some of those were, were pretty moving so yeah. we're gonna get into what impressed kind of everyone individually but phil so let's talk about that for a little bit the virtual reality what kind of impressed you about the panel of virtual reality you saw yeah so um I, there's a hospital in michigan and um what they've done a really good job at is bringing in technology 
uh, specifically VR, into their treatment experience for patients. So um, this is a hospital that that, that, uh, uh, treats children, a pediatric hospital. And what they do is they kind of give these kids open access to to VR experiences. And a lot of that has to do with pain management. A lot of it is to kind of take their minds off the daily grind of being in a hospital. And the whole approach to, like, treating children is, like, you know, making it fun, making, you know, this is a place that they, they're in daily, you know, so it's uh, as much they can take, as much as they can take their minds off of whatever is it that they're going through, you know, they're doing it. So they're really taking this technology and making it useful and impactful for, for families. So versus just doing it for the sake of doing it, right? So I think that, so that these, sort of hit if home. if they put the headsets on, what are these kind of patients seeing? Um, I, I can shoot off some videos to you guys, but basically they're, 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 there's a whole number. It's like some of it's just gaming, you know, just to get their minds off of things. Some of them are simulated exercise to maybe help them, you know, physically recover to you know do certain tasks. So there's a whole number. A, and you know, they're, they're constantly growing what they're doing. And I think they're sort of like, if other hospitals can kind of model that, I mean, you can you can kind of see and visualize the, the you know. Uh, yeah. And there's a variety of platforms and no clear breakout thing quite yet. Uh, yeah. There's just so much to take in. So. I feel like virtual reality is always like a hot, hot trend, uh, South by especially the last few years. But uh, John, what about you? What about anything really impressed you this year versus years past? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know it's interesting to watch the conference like evolve over the years because it used to be about breaking products or services. So you'd go every year to be like, all right, what's the next app or what's the next service? And it's really less about that, and it's more about um, watching technologies evolve and even converge. So, you know, you have all these separate technologies that are all sort of overlapping with each other, right? So um, there was one session specifically on, on hearables. So things like uh, Amazon Echo and uh, Google Home and all those things. And just sort of about that technology and where it's going. And Hearables is in, just for our audience members, yeah, yeah. Voice, voice recognition technology, right? That's what <clears throat> yeah, about. yeah. So things like uh, voice assistants and uh, vocal assistants and things like that. And uh, it's really about... You know, they're refer- referring to it as like the sonification of data. So it's like taking data that's in the environment and making it useful and relevant, right? So it's just providing like a natural way to communicate with machines, right, um, to get meaningful information. Wow. So about you, Todd? First time, yeah. what impressed you? Yeah, actually in that vein, I, I sat in on a session that spoke about AI at some point replacing search, Meaning we think about how customer acquisition occurs typically these days and it's search, right? But that brands are really going to have to change their approach to how they acquire customers and structure their data so that it comes up with the Alexas of the world as a customer who would buy a product in that means. And that's a very new thing for brands and how that will mature. And it's a huge change from brands optimizing their site for search now you're going to have to optimize for ai and voice recognition which i thought is like a seismic shift in the market and with all the linguistic variations nationally and internationally a lot more has to be built out on the back-end frameworks right yeah i mean it's it's a it's pretty daunting i mean the panel really spoke about the lift that it would require and kind of the roles that would need to be hired within companies to do it um because a lot of companies probably don't know where to start to get this kind of thing done, but they should start now because it's going to be a reality sooner versus later. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like we saw a lot of cool, you know, digital things happening. But did you guys notice any trends? I guess from all the panels, you know, you were there for what four or five days, Phil. You were saying. So out of those kind of four or five days, did you guys see any trends either there or starting to develop or things you're kind of excited about? Yeah, I, I, um, 
there's something that I've been talking to Todd and John about uh, while we were there and, and, and even after. I think they're probably tired of hearing this word. And this word that came up literally in nine out of ten sessions that I was on, that's the word friction. And the idea that the companies and the products and technologies that, that succeed and, and, and you know, move industries are those that remove friction. And so the example I like to use uh, is Uber, right? Um, we, we've all used Uber before, which is not a South by, oddly enough. Um, but there's others that are just like it, right? That the idea of this, that service, uh, you, know, you know, being able to call a cab from your, from your phone is, is there. But if you think about Uber's, you know, business and what they allow you to do, it takes what was probably a, a somewhat painful process, you know, going down the street, hailing a cab, the payment of it. They took all that, all, all that friction out. And now in three taps... You get a car uh, downstairs waiting for you, drop you off. There's no payment, no transaction necessary. So all those pain points of travel in the cab kind of goes away. And, and, and you know, Uber came and did that. So the companies that kind of move the needle uh, do a good job at removing friction. And all the panelists and all the sessions I've been to, you know, there's this high emphasis on removing friction and whatever it is they do, you know, whatever industry they're in. So that, that was a big, big trend for me. I think probably the biggest topic that I saw really was around cognitive computing and artificial intelligence and... Um, you know, when I, when I went down there, I was curious to sort of see how people would be talking about it and how it's going to be, how it's being framed. And, um, you know, a lot of the discussion that I heard was around that, you know, AI isn't a specific tactic or like, let's do an AI program. It's not, it's really just an underlying technology that's going to affect everything, every program and everything that we do. Um, you know, just as you don't really sort of think twice about internet connectivity or like, Social, right, is just such a wide platform. Um, AI is really the same thing, or just like mobile, right? Like mobile encompasses so much. So AI is just going to be something that um, is going to affect every industry, every tactic, sort of both behind the scenes and, and in terms of like the tactics that we deliver. Uh, yeah, so uh, if you've spent any time with me, uh, I like data. And uh, that was a big one. I think when you look at all of the disparate sets of data that exist, and I sat in a couple sessions that spoke about patient data and how they're not connected, and if they did connect, it could cure a rare disease. Um, so I sat in on one session, uh, extremely impressive and, and gut-wrenching, Bryce Olson, uh, who was diagnosed with phase 4 metastasized prostate cancer, and in essence a terminal, you know, terminal deal. Um, he, in essence asked his uh, medical oncology team to sequence me and see if there was DNA in his body that he could actually use to fight his cancer. And he brought this to his, his care team, and they did, and it saved his life. Uh, and he, he provided a stat that was grounding. Uh, only 4% of oncology patients are in clinical trials, which means 96% of the data within the oncology patient world is not being shared. So there was a theme around that and other panels of just using the data and connecting it to really cure patients. And I think we have a lot of work that can be done there to be able to kind of cross that bridge. Yeah. Well, that's what last episode we had, um, Chris from Validic and he was talking about just, you know, using the data and making it very actionable. And I think not that we were there, but I think one of the trends that we're noticing, especially in our space is using data, right? It's out there, but people are afraid to put it, you know, use their data in any kind of actionable way. But to your point exactly, I think it's using the data, and I think it ties together with artificial intelligence, right? It's like using the data to to predict versus trying to react. Yeah, I think more and more people are willing to share their data, share the data with institutions, and believe uh, and and real because they can realize just the a tangible impact in their lives today. Totally, yeah, and I think it. You look at what we do, right? At the core of our our business and why we get out of bed is to help patients. And the sharing of their data can actually help themselves and help 
the care teams. So that that to me was a huge pillar uh, of South by. Yeah, and, and, and I know you mentioned um, Validic too. So like, it's interesting what they're doing. So it's one thing to like share data, but I think being able to passively collect data, meaningful data, is 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 sort of helps move the needle, right? Like if I have to constantly enter something, say into an app or into a into a, a website, you know, I'm less inclined to do that because it takes an action on my part. But where we can collect data passively, you know, via wearables or or, or, or things like that. Then, then you re, you reduce yet another barrier to get that meaningful data. Are you talking so, about reducing friction? Phil? We're talking about reducing <laughs> friction, guys. That's that, that's a theme. Yeah, I think even in terms of how much data we generate, right? Um, there was a panel I saw with someone from Intel, and they were talking about um, how the average person generates around one and a half gigabytes of data a day, um, and they were saying by twenty twenty that um, your car, I guess, will generate, or no, sorry, it was a plane. A plane will, ge- will generate five terabytes of data a day, uh, and smart factories will generate one petabyte of data a day. What? Right? Wow. So, How many zeros are in a petabyte? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I'd have to, I'd have to sort of Google it. Um, but if you think about like all the data that's just being generated by us and, and our environment, it's a lot of stuff to, to digest. One question we ask all of our guests is, how do you think this technology and everything you were experiencing and saw is going to impact patients in healthcare? We're all, we're all looking at each other. Who wants all to right, go? I guess I'll take a stab. <laughs> uh, that's a tough question, but a, a good one. I think you, you look at how connected we already are through social, through data. I think if I learned anything at South by, it's going to be like exponentially larger and on steroids. The connectivity, the data sharing the ability to have everything at our fingertips and get what we want in a moment of need, I think just rises. And I think it's a a testament to kind of how society is moving in kind of a now scenario. Uh, To me, South by epitomized that. Was there any, I know it's kind of, you know, all encompassing all things digital, but did they have any focus on healthcare? Yeah, no, for sure. I mean, I think, look, the sequencing panel with the, the guy I mentioned earlier, Bryce Olson, that was healthcare related. Um, there was a lot of, of information actually from Pfizer. Uh, they put on a cool one where it was healthcare related and that it happened at Pfizer, but it was producing a work environment where they riffed off of the movie The Intern and they hired a 70-year-old retired commercial banker to work with a bullpen of college kids. And uh, Was it Robert De Niro? It was not Robert <laughs> De Niro. Uh, thank you for asking. Um somewhat of a healthcare bend, and they kind of recreated that model. Uh, that was a cool one. I don't know that it directly impacts healthcare, um, but but certainly healthcare-related. And then Pfizer boldly took that step and kind of... It's an interesting approach to creating work, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Yes, yeah, so I think when you're, when you're in South By, there's like so many different kinds of technologies in terms of impacting healthcare and patients. It's, it, it may not be one single technology that kind of is that silver bullet. Like, and I kind of go back to this Uber example, right? Like Uber didn't invent payment systems. They didn't invent... GPS. They didn't invent maps. You know what I mean? They didn't actually invent anything aside from maybe a really cool interface that ties together three, four different technologies that already existed. You know, GPS existed years way before there was ever Uber. But they took these things, the spare technologies, put it into this sort of, you know, killer experience. And now it, it changes the industry. So, you know, just moving forward, we have all these different things, VR, AI, all these sorts of really cool things. And we haven't really seen it take off itself. But if you put them all together then maybe that's sort of where things start to be, you know, more impactful. So Yeah. I mean, I, I see technology getting more and more magical, right? Because it used to be about is something technically possible, right? But now it seems like 
anything is really possible. It's just a matter of whether it's it's meaningful, right, and whether it makes sense to do it. But I also think you know the pace of technology is changing so rapidly. Is happening, right? So. Um, we haven't really talked much about, say, chatbots, right? But chatbots is sort of a, a technology that just started maybe last year at South by, and uh, using conversational interface, so using, you know, uh, say, text messaging, right? You message someone via text, but instead of texting a friend, on the other end is is a, a service or sort of a computer or something that's AI. Artificial intelligence, yeah. Yeah. So again, a few technologies like in the mix here, uh, but it's being used a lot by uh, companies as sort of a supplement to customer service or a way of sort of coaching or, or, or call getting centers. information. Call, call center, yes, yeah, used for a variety of things. Um, but I think in the healthcare space, there's so many challenges, whether it's adherence or knowledge gaps or um, even sort of bigger medical problems, right? And I think we're just at that point in time where these problems can be solved um, much, much more rapidly. I think for chatbots, I've heard that some brands are having some issues with like proper rollout of chatbot platforms. And they, they tried it, then they kind yeah. of pulled back, went to... Live humans. Yeah, so I actually went to a, a chatbot session, and one of the, the, the key takeaways was, you know, um, when you're kind of thinking about your, if you have a chatbot strategy, you think about rolling it out to really plan for constant iteration. Like, you're not going to, you may not get it right the first time. Matter of fact, you're probably not going to get it right the first time, you know, so um, um, to plan for that ahead of time and know all the possible use cases and responses is probably just not realistic. So, to understand, you know, for brands and for clients, you got to you got to plan for that. You got to know that that's going to happen. Yeah, I actually read something interesting about the whole uh, the point of view of failure. That people are just putting so much information out there that you really can't be afraid to fail because if you fail, you know, you're collecting so much data on what you did wrong that you're going to do a lot better next time. Now, you shouldn't go into something thinking, well, I'm going to fail and collect data. But <laughs> if you fail in these days, it's really not like yeah. the worst thing ever because you're collecting so much data. Fail, as long as, long as you fail fast and, 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 and then respond appropriately. Like, right. I think yeah. that's how it is always on the, the frontier of technology. You see these things come out fast. Sometimes they, they explode in the general culture. Then they might kind of fade back or they get retinkered, recontextualized. Yeah. I mean, I think from like a marketing standpoint, it's it's sort of like looking at a mix, right? So... Um, you know, we don't encourage any of our clients to go all in on, on these emerging technologies as a, as a huge portion of, of their mix. But I think it's important to sort of stay ahead as a leader and to sort of dabble with, with some of these technologies where they're appropriate. Um, but, you know, to allow sort of like a fraction of your, your marketing mix to, 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 to experiment and, and try some of these things because they, they could have, you know, huge, huge rewards. Coming out of South by, what are we most excited about in terms of the future? Whether it be today, tomorrow, or maybe let's say like three, five years in the future. Yeah, I think um, so. So I think like John alluded to, like you know, this year I don't think there was any like mind blowing technology in and of itself that was like announced or like or like that was super like on the cutting edge. I think wh where it comes down to is sort of the, the connectivity of it all, like um, being able to take all these different technologies that sort of on the same path of like getting into mass adoption and putting it together like Lego pieces, you know, to solve real world problems. I think seeing that happen is where things like an Uber or, or such start to start to um, make sense. Mm -hmm. So connectivity would be your answer. Yeah, connectivity, yeah. Cool. How about you, Todd? Yeah, I think they bring up valid points. I think when you look at how we and our clients approach business, sometimes the best option is not to invent something new, but to use existing technologies that people already trust and are entrenched with to be able to get out a message or a to-do. So, for instance, if you're going to 
have something calendarized, why not sync with an existing iPhone calendar that somebody's already using versus making them do something external and download an external asset? And I think if I learned anything at South by, it was the leverage and utilization of existing technology, but making it to Phil's point, connect in a way that we're already used to and we're already using versus making me do something new and bringing me out of my routine to steal Phil's term, <laughs> friction. And, and you- and, and so you think about like chatbots, right? We talk a little bit about chatbots, and um, you know, part of its popularity and part of its uh, rapid rise is because it piggybacks on stuff that people are already using. You're already using Facebook Messenger, okay? So interacting in that medium is sort of you know sort of a, a logical next step. You don't have to go and download something different to take advantage of it, right? Uh, and and that's, but the technology itself, the underlying ability to key in something and have something else respond to you. I mean, you go back into the IRC days of like, you know, way back when before internet and that stuff was already happening, but it lacked the platform to like kind of, you know, put it out there to the masses. Now you've got Facebook Messenger, you've got WhatsApp, super popular in Asia, you've got Kick, like you have all these messaging platforms that people are already using day to day. I think one other technology we didn't uh, touch on was uh, augmented reality. So in terms of like what's I think on the cusp and I imagine maybe at South by next year it'll be like an even bigger topic is augmented reality, right? So there's been a lot of hype around virtual reality which really takes you out of your environment. It's fully immersive but you you have this thing, this headset over your eyes. But um, augmented reality which again isn't sort of brand new. It's been sort of uh, in the mix for a while. Yeah, the Pokemon craze, wasn't that? Yeah, Pokemon was big, yeah. Yeah, right, yeah, for sure. And I, I think... Guys, I had to go catch a Pikachu. I'll be right back. <laughs> Phil was the king of uh, He's still Pokemon. In it. He's still in it. He's still in it. He's still in it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I think augmented reality, I mean, there's Apple is rumored to be getting into the mix with their next iPhone perhaps where, um, you know, using your smartphone, you'll be able to point to things in your environment and get information. So overlaying information in the natural world. Um, so I think that's some, a trend that, that we should be sort of uh, mindful of and something that even could potentially surpass or, or definitely have more reach than virtual reality. I think virtual reality will be around and it's going to evolve and it's going to have a, a role in terms of entertainment and uh, immersion. But in terms of like widespread everyday use, I think augmented reality Yeah, it is. seems more applicable, right? Like it's, you have your phone and you're just augmented reality versus VR, you have to get a whole headset and you have to do like a lot more. So it just seems much easier. It's all about having visually contextual information rather than just yeah. going to this other foreign transported yeah. world. Yeah, I think I think if you look at the, the the continuum where VR is now, I think that's probably where you're going to get to a point where it becomes more readily available. The high end area, like right now, the, you know, it's it's a cost is a, is 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 a is a big deterrent for getting the high end VR experience. But you know, it, it's going to get cheaper. It's going to get smaller, quicker, and it's going to get better. And then I think that's when you hit this kind of mass tipping point where it becomes almost like mobile phones where it's, you know, it's, it's, it's going to be second nature. I think it's also similar like uh, going to the movies, right? So you could watch a movie anywhere from your phone or from, from your couch, right? But when you go to an IMAX theater, it's like even more entertaining and sort of juicy, right? So I think virtual reality is going to have that same thing where what we're going to see is uh, probably maybe a hybrid between an arcade and a movie theater where people go and maybe when you go to see the movie, there's sort of a breakout experience where you have sort of a high-end VR thing, but may not happen in your living room. But, you know, I think they'll be happening more in public spaces. 
Well, I can't wait to step into a VR world of South by here from the comfort of my living room. <laughs> yeah. Maybe in a Sounds year a lot or two. cheaper, too. We don't have to fly down there. <laughs> you won't get the barbecue, though. Um, but, so I know we've talked before <laughs> this that there's a, you guys are doing a road show. A lot of this stuff you can follow. Where can, yeah, party how can, thoughts. How can people get, yeah, how can people get more information on, uh, on South by from and patience and, and purposes. purposes take on South by particularly yeah I mean we, we are embarking on a, a road show we, we're having the t-shirts uh, made this week oh there's t-shirts yeah I didn't tell you about the t-shirts it's awesome oh I didn't know nice. no, I'm um, more excited no, than I, than I was before our way and we're happy to wear them or? no but I, I we have the great fortune of uh, taking the South by experience and digesting it and and sort of synthesizing it into um, sort of key opportunities of that of things that can be sort of pulled through now, but also things to, to look out on the radar. And so what we do is we condense all this information and turn it into a, a fun presentation, and we roadshow it to, to clients, and we'll do a couple sessions at the agency here, and it's going to be uh, great. Audience can probably stay tuned to our socials for little nuggets and gems from that presentation. Looking forward to it. But thank you guys for uh, for joining us. And, uh, yeah, anytime. Yeah. Hopefully the five of us can go to South by next year. Yeah. Nice. We'll look to podcast live there. Yeah, sounds <laughs> good. <laughs> Well, that was a great conversation revisiting South by Southwest. If you want to learn more, stay tuned to our social channels on Twitter and Instagram. We'll be continuing to share insights about digital trends and what's to come in the future. Yeah, I want to give a special shout out to uh, John, Phil, and Todd for coming in and sharing their experience with us. I learned a lot and hopefully you guys and gals did too. Uh, if you liked the episode, please leave a review. We love uh, hearing your feedback. And don't forget to subscribe so you never miss an episode. And with that, we'll see you guys next time. Next time.